welcome everybody. My name is Pav Bryan. I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes and you are listening to Bespoke, the cycling and triathlon training podcast. I am delighted to be joined uh, today by uh, John Schubert, who is uh, uh, an epic rider. And, and to be honest, I'm actually a little bit nervous about introducing you because I don't want to get anything wrong and you've done some amazing things. So John, I'm actually just going to hand straight over to you and, uh, and let you talk about your racing, your results and some of the amazing stuff you've done especially with charity that's that's very flattering thank you pav for the uh the overly um enthusiastic introduction so as you as you can hear by the uh, the accent i'm also from the uk um a place where we have a a long heritage of, of time trialing and that's that's kind of where i've uh, i've cut my teeth in cycling and and had some success um and i've i've i was privileged to have come from a, a cycling family my grandfather in the 30s was a very successful um long distance time trialist. Uh, he won numerous 24 hour races and um, over in Ireland and also in the other parts of the UK where he had uh, had records. So I think for me as, as a young child, I remember even from the age of sort of four, three, four, going to visit them and, and, and being in awe when I walked into the house and looking up at all the medals and the trophies on the wall. And uh, that that's what inspired me. And I think for many years, I tried to understand and try to emulate and sort of step into the the shoes of my grandfather, quite a strange thing for a six-year-old boy to want to do is to be a, a 24-hour time trial champion. Um, but but that was that was what I was incredibly proud of. And I think that sort of steered where I went with my, my cycling for years to come after that. And I, I think I lived abroad. Uh, I, was, I was very privileged. My father traveled a lot with his work. Um, so many of the countries we lived in, I was in Turkey, until the age of about 12. The roads weren't really safe enough, but it was when I came back to the UK at sort of the age of 13, 12, 13, uh, and I joined a cycling club. And it was a very time trial focused club. And people were encouraging me to take part in, in these time trial races. And I, I did participate in a little bit of road and I, I was actually quite successful. I, I won a couple of elite road races that I, I raced in, but it was always more, far more accessible and um, the people around me would, were racing in the time trials. So, so that's where I started, uh, club, club 10 mile time trials. So, so narrowing down the, the sort of the things I'm proudest of on a bicycle. In uh, May 2013, I, I set off with my best friend to cycle around the world, do a full, full loop, circumnavigate the world. And um, I achieved that. I got back a, a year later and that was, that was, an, that was a life changing experience. Um, but it, it wasn't an easy journey at times. It was amazing, but it was tough. And I think for almost, almost a month crossing the Gobi desert, I, I didn't speak to anyone. I experienced an awful lot of solitude and the way I, I found my way through that was to remember that I was a racing cyclist and, and start to treat these, the, the, the winter climate and the desert and the, the solitude, th think of it as a competitor. And, um, I told myself if, if I was, if I was riding a hundred miles every day, fully loaded into these winds across this desert, it was great training. I was going to come back and I was going to win the British 24 hour time trial. So the psychology of it for me was a huge thing. The train mental training as well as the physical training. And, and three weeks after I returned from cycling around the world, I won the British national 24 hour time trial as a very much as a dark horse who someone, someone who hadn't been racing for a long time, who hadn't sat on a on a time trial bike or anything that didn't have panniers for a long time. So for me, that was, that was the beginning of something quite special in my cycle racing, Palmares, uh, and, and a very a magical way to do it as well. 
Um, and I'd just cycle around the world. I'd, I'd won this national championship and, and I felt contented. And I, I took a teaching job in uh, the Middle East, in Muscat, Oman. And to be honest, I, I didn't ride a bike much for a couple of years. I was, I was doing all the things that I'd missed out on perhaps for the time when I was at university and when I was riding my bike too much. And I was enjoying, uh, you know, drinking, partying, exploring the outdoors and and then about two years later, I was contacted by a friend, Michael Broadwith, who's, who's a very accomplished uh, long distance time trialist, uh, a friend. And he said, we want, we want to tackle this British 24 hour team record. And we're looking for a third man, Tim Bailey, who'd, who'd once, once come second in the championship and, and Mike, who'd won it in, in 2015, the year after me. And uh, I didn't, I, I was, I was quite apprehensive. I said, I haven't really, I haven't, I haven't trained for two years. Give me a give me a month to do some secret training, and um, I'll I'll see how my legs do. And I was quite surprised how quickly the form started coming back. So, with only four months to prepare, um, I was training in the desert at night when the temperatures weren't too hot, and I came back and we broke this record. Never since then, uh, I've been racing with this team of guys, the the Arctic race team, fantastic bunch of really motivated um, guys who who all have real jobs. Um, they they live in the real world. But we have support from um, our director sportif, Pete Ruffhead, and his his company Arctic Air Conditioning, and uh, we have we have Santini who provide brilliant um, kit clothing for us to go go as fast as we can possibly go, and we have we have the support from all these these people around us, one another, and it sort of eggs us on and motivates us, and we've had a tremendous season. Um, this year just gone by, I won a, a, a 90, 89, 90 year old uh, competition in the UK called, that's how long it's been running for, the, the British Best All Rounder, which in the past has had a huge amount of prestige. Um, and that's raced over uh, the season over a number of distances. You need a 50 mile time trial, a 100 mile time trial, and a 12 hour time trial. Uh, and they, they take the average of your average speeds and they, they rank you across the country. So you can be competing against people who you've never ridden on the same roads with. That's the idea of the competition um, in this competition. And it's, it's a very British thing. Um, it doesn't mean much to people outside the UK, but uh, it, it, it's always hold, held a lot of uh, prestige and, and kudos. And um, I think I surprised myself and more so than, than everyone around me when I, when I took the individual win and we took the team win again this year. Um, and, and, and a big part of this is, is due to the Arctic guys that I've got around me and, um, the way we sort of egg each other on and we share our understanding and insight and, and people like Tim, who I just mentioned has been in the cycling game for years, very, very accomplished road racer, time trialist. He's, he's done it all. Um, and, and that's, that's a big, big part of it. It's not an, it's people think of time trialing as an individual sport, but, um, I would never have, never have managed the things that I've done. Those few things I'd mentioned if, if it hadn't been for the, the people around me all the time. Yeah, I completely agree. Obviously, I mean, knowing um, Tim very well and uh, and Michael, great guys, and uh, you've always had a, a team that uh, I think a lot of uh, people in time trials as testers have, have looked up to and uh, in awe, and uh, I, I know there's a lot of people who probably would rip your arm off to get a place on your team. Um, but uh, uh, it's uh, it, 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 the, the point there that you make about uh, time trial being a, a very a soloist um, activity, but actually having a team around you is, is very interesting it's something that obviously um 
uh, first of all, we do here at Spokes in our in our coaching, building a team around our people. But but if you look at the most successful athletes, um, they are the ones that are able to take their or push their ego aside and and go and actually ask questions and uh, and hang around with the really successful things and uh, successful athletes and learn from them so i think that yeah uh what you've done is incredible and i'm i'm really i'm really excited to learn a little bit more john um one of the the things you mentioned there you were quite young when you first started racing what do you remember how old you were when you first like did a time trial yeah i remember it quite vividly it was a it was a summer evening i think i was probably about 14 years old and uh my my dad had to go this 10 mile time trial that our club put on nothing nothing big nothing special and a, a friend and and her dad came along and it took me, uh, I, you know, I still remember the time. It was 27 minutes and 10 seconds it took me to, to ride 10 miles. And uh, that, that buzz that it gave me, um, we went to the pub afterwards and we were talking about the race and um, just, just, you know, feeling that high after you've really pushed yourself. And you've, I think I was, I was hooked from that point, point onwards. And I've, I've been, a, I'm a scientist. I, I have a genetics degree. I've, I've I've taught science um, in high school for a number of years and something that's because of, of that nature of me, that inquiring nature, I think time trialing always appeals as, as something that you can keep, you can keep looking at, you can keep finding something else, tweaking, honing, uh, all the elements. It's, it's an experiment. Every time you go out there, it's an experiment. It's, it's, it's how can I, what can I adjust? How can I make, how can I make myself go faster? What can I what can I do? And that's, that's always appealed. And it's been a, a process of chipping away over the years until eventually I've achieved some sort of quite, um, quite high. Amazing. I'm just going <laughs> to jump in and say amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, certainly for me, I'm very proud of the things, things I've managed to do and, and, and never would have, when I began, never would have, uh, imagined, imagined reaching those levels. Well, well-deserved as well. I mean, um, you've got, you, you sit among a, a, a uh, a, a, a list of very very uh, accomplished names in in winning both sort of the 24 hour and the um and the british best all-rounder there's some great names over the years that have uh, uh have been winners so so well done um yeah seriously seriously amazing effort and uh uh, not that, not to compare, but yes, I remember um, the agony of trying to trying to work out um, exactly where you sat among competitors when I was doing uh, the best all rounder. Albeit it was just the Kent best all rounder, I remember sitting there with many a calculator trying to work out exactly <laughs> what you need to do in your final race if you're not, if you're that close. Uh, and it never. I think I was the only person in history to ever draw, and they said that they worked it out to um, three decimal places and it was still exactly the same with uh with a good friend dean chidention um that was uh, many years ago now um and uh, uh so john though back to you um so your pathway to success uh for, from that sort of 14 year old lad who did a 27 minute how hard have you trained since then and uh, uh and uh, have you had any setbacks along the way as, as i said it's been a, it's a process of for me it's been a process of, sort of chipping away slowly over the years and uh, I think when I was about 17, 16, 17, I was, you know, I was really, I was really keen. I was really into the cycling and, and I was, I was doing what we call A-levels, um, at school. And one of my A-level exams was, was in sport. It was PE. And obviously I had a, I love sport, but I have a particular passion for cycling and cycling wasn't in the, in the, uh, curriculum. So I, I approached the, um, 
exam board and I put together, they, they said, if you can put together a criteria, then, then you can include cycling if we're happy with it. So that's what I did. And I had a friend who, who ran um, the sports science department at a university. And I was about 16 years, seven, 16 years old at this time, I think. And I was going along and having VO2 max tests done, onset of blood lactate testing, all sorts of things on a bike and, and building this personal exercise plan. And I put together this massive portfolio and I scored full marks in this, uh, this component of the PE uh, examination. And so they bring in an external examiner because they said, you know, no one, no one gets full marks. So, you know, you, I think they were perhaps slightly skeptical as well because I'd, um, I'd introduced the cycling to, for the, the exam board. And this, this external examiner came in and he, he, uh, he looked at the stuff and he started asking me some, some probing questions about the science, which was, you know, my bread and butter. It was the, as I was saying to you earlier, it's, it's the, the part, one of the parts of the sport that really appeals to me. Um, and I think he was, he was slightly taken aback by my, um, the detail of my responses. And he, he said to me at the time, he said, what, what are your ambitions in cycling? And I'm not sure I believed it when I said it myself, but I said one day I'd like to, you know, stand on a podium and win a, win a national medal in a time trial. And, and he said, well, if you, if you, if you approach the sport the way that uh, you prepared all this, this work here and you've talked about your training, your periodization, and he's like, there's no reason why you won't. And, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't believe it myself, but um, in many years to come, that, that became the case. And I think I could see from that, that point onwards, my my approach i realized i might not have the strongest legs i might not be the most incredible athlete but if i was using my head then i could go faster than than a guy who was who was equally as as physically talented or perhaps more physically talented um so continuing to chip away and i i I think the physical component is important but then i think too many people neglect the psychology of, of, of the sport, which, you know, I, I could talk about, especially for long distance racing, I could talk about for a long time. I think the aerodynamics, we're only really, uh, well, we're making massive gains, certainly in UK time trialing. If you're looking at what people are doing in the, the pro ranks at the moment in the world tour, if you really start to understand that there are, there have been monumental, um, shifts made with, with, uh, that, that area of the sport, um, diet, nutrition, there, there's so much more to it than the, than the, the just the physical pushing pushing the pedals trying to generate force um and I, and I think when i when i look at the numbers the power numbers that i'm generating at the moment i've had similar numbers in the past but i haven't had everything else dialed in quite quite the same way so it's it's a combination of polishing it and honing it years knowing this this competition we've just talked about the british best all-rounder it's it's a game you have to find the right weather find the right courses find the right days and you could be a very strong athlete, but if if you if you don't turn up and miss and you miss those races, you're not going to win the competition. So years of experience, years of practice, um, I think it, it sort of all culminated and came together. A, a, a small amount of luck as well, um, and that's what's what's got me to to the point last year where where I became one of only five people in the UK to to ever ride uh, hundred miles at over 30 mile an hour average speed, which was sort of sealed the competition for me. And uh, gone are the days when I was, I was doing 10 miles in 27 minutes. I was able to string 10, 19 minute, 10 mile time trials back to back. And, and, and for me, that's, that's the, the culmination of, of, of years of looking into this and training and practicing and, 
it's it's taken a long time to get there absolutely that is that i mean i i can i mean even i can I'm bulking at that. That is incredible. Nine, ten, nineteen minute, ten mile time trials. Uh, I'm pretty sure, certain. Uh, I'm not the only person with their jaw on the floor right now, John. Uh, it, you, you talked a little bit about periodization. I do. One of the biggest questions um, I'm sure our listeners are really eager to hear is, uh, what does a typical training week look like for you uh, during the off season? Uh, and then, do you do much differently um, when you would come into the season? A typical sort sort of racing season you may have heard of a uh, a man called adam topham um I'm, I'm not sure many of your listeners will but if if you follow the the british best all-rounder competition he he won this um three years in succession from uh 2012 which was a year that i came fourth in the competition and we were teammates and and we raced for a team and the the coach was a man called dr gordon wright who has an incredible palmares of athletes that he's he's worked with over the years. He he coached a woman called Nicole Cook to Olympic gold in in the Beijing road race, and he's coached uh, a man called Stuart Dangerfield to many national titles. And he worked he worked in the same way with Adam Topham. And Adam Topham did all of his training to win this competition. And I would say ninety nine point nine nine percent of his training was done indoors on the home trainer. And they were working together early hours of the morning. Um, Gordon would drive from his home in near High Wycombe down to to Paul to go and take measurements and train with Adam. And then Gordon sort of had me on his books at the same time and always said I was a complete maverick. Uh, my approach was was very polar to to the way Adam did it so scientifically. And I was scientific, but I also liked the 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 natural feel. And I love riding my bike. And uh, like I said that, that when I won the national 24-hour time trial, it my main competitor was an Irishman called Alton Coyle, a, a former champion who'd who'd been living on the course for months. He'd been he'd been doing all this structured interval training. Uh, he was working with former champions, the national record holder. This was his swan song in the event. He'd raced it a number of times, and this was the one that he really wanted to to nail to go out with a bang. And and I I hadn't done any of that interval training. I just cycled around the world. Um, and I, I I emailed Gordon a few months before we hadn't. We hadn't spoken much um, for at least a year. I said, Gordon, I'm, I'm out in these remote parts. I'm having a difficult time. I've decided to focus on this National 24, and this is, this is how I'm going to find my way home. This is, I'm, I'm in my head. A lot of these long days, this solitude, it's all training. And uh, he said to me, he said, you, you're a maverick. And he said, it's, it's going to go one of two ways. Either you're going to be pedaling so slowly, you'll never convert that to any speed, and you're going to fall flat on your face, or... You'll, you'll do such a stunning ride, you'll probably break the comp record. And, and I remembered those words. And I got home, I sat with Gordon and a team. We put a team together. Obviously, you need the support in a race like that. You've got, uh, I had about six helpers out on the road feeding me and making sure I didn't stop and, and looking after everything else. And uh, Gordon put the plan together and we used a few weeks when I got back to taper and to do a few intervals. But it, it wasn't the traditional way. And I think that's, that's one reason that it turned a few people's heads because I'd just been I'd just been touring for a long time, and even even last year, I was I was very busy with work. I took a long time off the bike, and those base miles that everyone does. Well, I I love exploring the world on my bike. That's that's probably my first passion when it comes to cycling. And uh, I took off with my best friend, and we spent all of January crossing North Africa. I believe we were the first men who've ever crossed the the Maghreb from Morocco through Africa's largest country, Algeria to Tunisia we were, we were going all the way across and 
there was there wasn't structure to it but i spent so many well virtually every day for a month just pedaling it gave me the most incredible base to start with and then i find that you can burn yourself out mentally as well as physically with training and and i found that refreshing especially when you've taken a long time off and then i can really just knuckle down and focus for a couple of months um, and do the really hard interval training whether it's in, it's in the on the home trainer or it's out on the road but for me a lot of the success i've had is, has actually been off the back of uh of long distance cycle touring trips um and and then just sort of ice the cake with a with with using a power meter and and, and more of the high intensity stuff when i get back so so that was the start to my season last year i had a little bit of a lull where i didn't do much and then before that 100 mile time trial i really i really focused and there was a lot of a lot of threshold work um uh, sort of two a couple of hours on the bike where you do 20 minute threshold efforts and a couple of minutes off and keep repeating or or four by four minute efforts those are those are things that i like to do and a few of those and and uh that that's perhaps my unconventional way of preparing for these things but it it seems to work for me and if it works for you why change it that's the, uh, the one of the golden rules here, isn't it? You've probably tried a, a very number of uh, different uh, uh, things and settled on a, a system or a plan that works really well for you, John. Um, have you got any favourite sessions? When I moved to the Middle East, I, as I say, I wasn't I wasn't riding much when I first got there, and uh, I was I was time crunched. It was ama- I was amazing. I found that it was just three and a half, four hours training a week, really high intensity stuff. I was hitting the same kind of threshold numbers that I might have been achieving. A couple of years before when I was training, you know, in quotes properly, maybe up to 15 hours a week, I was hitting those same numbers off just four hours a week. So, yeah, there's 20, 20 minutes at threshold, very short break, two minutes recovery, 20 minutes again. They leave, leave you pretty whacked um, and give you a really nice high training stress. And then I do, do some uh, basically as much as you can maintain for, for four minutes, four minute rest uh, and re- repeat that four times. Um, and those those are sort of sessions that I like because they leave me hanging over the handlebars and um, you can't you can't do much else uh, of that kind of intensity for another day or two because they've they've really really taken it out of you and and especially as I say if you if you're time crunched um, I I think or or if if you're trying to ice the cake as I put it if you're trying to taper for a, for an event and you've done a lot of a lot of miles and a lot of long things then those are those are quite nice to bring you to a good peak in your form. Fantastic. Um, moving on, we uh, you've mentioned it a couple of times uh, living in the Middle East and in particular Muscat. Um, you've done a, a, an epic journey, which you uh, were so kind to share a, a YouTube video, which we're going to link to in uh, in our Spokes Performance Training Advice Facebook group. Um, but tell us about the the Muscat to Salala uh, world record. Right. Well, this um, this was a ride that I. I when I lived in the Middle East, I'd, uh, it was quite iconic because it's it's the length of Oman, almost. It's which is the same length as Britain. You're talking about 1,300 miles, almost 1,300 miles, not quite that far, between 12 and 1,300 miles, uh, 1,300 kilometers. I beg your pardon. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. You know, I'd like to do that one day. I'm not sure I ever have time. And and I'd, I'd been living in the Middle East, and Oman is a wonderful country. It's full of incredible people. It's 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 super safe you know that you never find any of these these terrorists who are fighting for for isis they, they've ne- never derived from oman it's it's a really peaceful place and uh, and i felt kind of guilty i'd been out there for two years i was earning this this very comfortable uh this nice salary comfortable quality of living and i 
and then I was watching the news and there's all these terrible things going on around me in the region in, in Yemen, uh, the conflicts and the, the, the famine and, and the disease and, you know, in Iraq and, and Syria. And I, I, I felt uh, a bit helpless. I thought, what can, what can a simple person like me do to help? And then it just sort of, it came to me as, as an epiphany. I said, I've got this, this rather unique, strange talent for long distance cycling. And I know that people have cycled the length of Oman in, in six days. What if I told people I could do this in under two? And I thought this, this will grab people's attention. This will, this will grab their uh, incredulity, their imagination. And, and if they hear someone wants to do something this crazy, then perhaps it would, it would make them want to donate to, to a worthy cause. And uh, I had some friends who I was completely in awe of, humbled by the work they were doing. They're, they're actually uh, from, the, from the US, um, and they, they'd given up their lives to, to work with uh, victims of conflict from, from northern Iraq, the Yazidi people. And uh, I, I started speaking to them, and I, thought, I said to them, I'm, I'm looking for a project, and I really like what you're doing. Um, they were providing uh, lighting to these, these, these people who hadn't had any electricity in their homes for four years, and they were... They were providing them with with goats so they could they could start farming again and, and producing milk and, and and rebuilding their economy and the livelihoods of these people who'd really had such an awful time. And uh, they were so keen to get get me involved. And they said, there's this lighting project. We've we found a supplier of these solar lights in China um, and we want to cut out the middleman and we can we can provide uh, these lights, solar lights for people's homes uh, at ten dollars a piece. And um if you could help us raise some money, that would be brilliant. So I thought, great, I've, I've got a really got a reason to do this now. So I, I thought, where, where do I begin? Um, this wasn't a, an officially recognized record. So I had to contact um, Guinness World Records, which they take a while, about three months to get back to you. I was talking to uh, another body in, in the States, uh, UMCA, Ultramarathon Cycling Association, who provide the sort of the framework for, for setting these records. And they were very helpful. Uh, and they were saying, you need re- record officials out there. This, you know, there are some in the UK, there are some in other countries, you might have to fly some out. So we started to look at the logistics and I, I, the cost of this was quite expensive. And we agreed that we could actually train some officials in Oman. So we were, we were given lots of uh, information and um, I just had to find people who would back this. And I talked to a woman um, of a, an outdoor adventure company who I knew quite well. It was, it's called UB Cool. And she was very excited about the idea and um, her enthusiasm and her uh, the connections she had brought all sorts of other people on board with the project. And I, I had other outdoor adventure companies wanting to, to sponsor this. They brought a film crew from uh, Q8, the very professional film crew, to make a documentary about the event. Um, I was I was it sort of it as you can as you can understand from my explanation, the whole thing started to snowball. And then I started to realize how much there was to do. I was working with Team Sky's uh, and Great Britain's nutritionist at the time. Um, and the guy called Nigel, Nigel Mitchell, who was absolutely invaluable in, in uh, the the insight he was giving me into dealing with the, the desert temperatures and the the heat and the, the fluctuations at night in the desert as well and, and how to fuel for such an event. And for about three months, we did the attempt, uh, the record attempt in February 2018. And I, I didn't have much of a, I didn't really have a social life for about three months. So there was so much to do in in. Um, creating this event um, 
I was I was delegating tasks. I had people who were really keen to get get involved, and so I, I was project managing all these different teams who were who were creating uh, all the the advertising and the um, the hazard warning labels and everything we had to put on the cars and the lighting and the the the, the food for the helpers and the nutrition for me, and and how we were dealing with the um, the fundraising and the the sponsorship, which was which was difficult because in Oman they they warned me and I was trying to, I tried to talk to the government, but they were warning me that if I, I fundraised, I could go to prison because they were worried when people do these things, the money is either being taken for oneself or you're funding a terrorist organization. They're very wary of those sorts of things. So I had to make sure there was no money moving directly, cash, physical, uh, tangible money moving directly through my hands. I set up a just giving page and I would never ask people for money. I would say, if you want to know why I'm doing this, Please look at this, uh, this this just giving page. So there w- there was an awful lot going on, and it took many months to do. But we put the team together. We put everything together, and um, it was a bit of a nightmare the night before because I'd produced some uh, some rice cakes, and the cream cheese we'd used in them had gone off. And I I tried a couple of these the day before and managed to give myself um, food poisoning. So I was starting this event uh, with diarrhea. Um, dehydrated heading out into the desert and that uh, culminated in in heat stroke because I was dehydrated to start with and we 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 faced an awful lot of adversity there was that we had a a crash on the the second day during the night Um, everything was sort of set to test us but with with 40 minutes to spare um, I managed to to cover the the 1300 kilometers through the deserts and the length of Oman in, in just under two days and ultimately it, it put these uh, solar lights in the in the homes of, of 400 people in northern Iraq who'd been without lighting for for four years and that was that was tremendously rewarding and um, one of the proudest things I've ever ever done on a bike to be able to use that that ability I have that talent and that that motivation and enthusiasm to to help some people who really really um, were in need fantastic and uh, yeah I a big pat on the back and a lot of respect from me and no doubt all our listeners for for that it really really is is incredible and uh, uh, obviously as I said earlier we'll post the link uh, in our Facebook group but if people wanted to check that out where could they go uh, it's a couple of years ago now that's uh, it's <laughs> I think I think if, if you want to see the video uh, I think you just you go to YouTube and you can type in my surname Schubert and the country Oman and uh, that that will pop up and I think if you type that into Google, um, there'll be all sorts of links. So, you know, it was co- it was covered quite extensively uh, by the media when I was out there doing it. Um, it was it was being broadcast on the radio as I was going along, and people were engaging. Uh, the woman who's the main sponsor, she she flew to the south of the country to meet me um, five or six hours before I finished, and she she drove out in this in this truck, and she said, "You won't believe this because I'd been." alone in these deserts but she said there are people in 120 countries following this this world record attempt right now um it, it had created such a stir so the national media met me when i when i reached the uh, the palace in the south we went from palace to palace north to south and I, I, there were a number of interviews there's there's newspaper articles uh, there were there were radio interviews at the time and i think a lot of that is uh, is, is quite plain to see if you if you type in the uh, cycling world record jonathan schubert into into google fantastic i mean i i've got to say i really enjoyed the documentary it's uh it was it was really good and there, a, a lot of emotion um and even speaking to you on on this and, and before it's uh 
uh, absolutely uh, you're a really really great guy a lot of compassion a lot of heart and um, and, uh, and 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 listeners hopefully we will have John back uh, doing some more bits but before we wrap up uh, what are you doing this year what's going to be your your big target um, well I've, I've, I've penciled a number of things in I think I think after that 30 mile an hour 100 mile time trial that I rode last year I've, I've decided that's that's where I can excel at the moment um, so we're looking at a uh, what's called a road records association 100 mile time trial so it's, it's an all-out 100 mile record you don't have to start and finish in the same place as i did um with the the 100 mile time trial that was under the the rules of cycling time trials governing body in the uk so this this will start in one place you can have a roaring tailwind uh, and get blown blown as far out well to the the 100 mile um finish line and we're looking to be to try and post the first ever sub three hour, hundred mile time trial. Got to wait for the weather though. That's that's the uh, the the tricky thing about these road record attempts. So I, I, the national hundred mile time trial will also be a goal for me. And um, I, I I'm not doing the amount of training I need to be racing in 24 hour time trials these days. But yeah, I'll, I'll maybe maybe I'll squeeze a 12 hour in and and some hundreds and a few road races. We'll see. Fantastic. And um, just for the listeners, what advice would you have for anybody that is targeting a long distance TT? Got any nuggets that you can share just uh, that would help? Yeah. So I, I, I've mentioned, uh, I've alluded a few times to to the fact that when I when I won the National 24, um, it was off the back of cycling around the world. And physically, obviously, that 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 prepares you. But I, I believe that when you when you're putting in long rides like that, what's more important is is the mental training that it gives you and and i've experienced if i'm not doing much training i'm doing short rides and i I go out for a three or four hour ride it seems to take forever to get to that that three four hour mark it it drags on and on but if if you've been out every day and you're you you're doing these long rides these eight hour rides or six seven hour rides it's it's amazing how your your brain perceives things differently and you'll get to that three hour mark in a ride and you'll think oh i'm just getting warmed up now I'm just getting started. Um, and my, my biggest day going around the world was, was in Nevada. Um, crossing the States was the last part of my round the world journey. And I, I rode from a place called Tonopah to Ely in the desert. And it was, it was a, a 16 hour slog with all my luggage on my bike through the night to get, for, to get from, from Tonopah, the last place I could find any water to, to the next, the next, next town. Um, and I rode all through the night and I was practicing, uh, the, the food intake, um, the amount of caffeine I was using. And it gave me so much confidence when I started this 24 hour race, what I'd been through crossing these deserts. And, and, and so the race itself actually felt easy in comparison to a lot of what I'd done. So I, so I'd say if, if you really want to race you know, beyond to a 24 hours or beyond practice riding through the night. Um, that's where a lot of my demons were before I'd, I'd, I tried a 24 hour race and failed because I couldn't deal with the sleep deprivation. Train your mind, train your mind. Don't, don't neglect that. I, th- I think a lot of the time the mind is, is more important than the body. Um, and, and go out and go out and face the night and see if you can make it through the dead spot and, and, and see how much caffeine you need to consume and, and see what it takes for you. And, and when you have that confidence going into a race to know that, yeah, I've, I've got through the hard part, then then it will make the race uh, run far more smoothly, I think. There's far less of an unknown. 
Completely agree. I think there's some really good, uh, good wise uh, tips there. I'd like to add definitely, definitely the cycling through the night thing is uh, is so important. I coached uh, Matt Seward, who is um, the winner of the Transatlantic Way last year, and we literally, well, he won that um, on on the back of the other competitors not being that strong during the night, whereas he was able to to carry on and uh, and really, really tackle that demon and. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, it's a, it's a big point. Definitely, face your demons is uh, is another thing we had from Carl Meltzer recently. Um, so John, we we obviously would love to have you back. Um, before I kind of close, we always like to uh, set our listeners a challenge. Um, uh, listeners, uh, of course, remember you could do this uh, solo, or you can uh, come and join our community of like-minded athletes in the Spokes Performance Training Advice Facebook group. Uh, John, have you had time to think about a uh, a, a challenge? Um, people have said to me, and I've said it to you, that that my training is perhaps um, unconventional. I, I like to start the year with a a cycle tour to give myself a few few base miles and I'd say to people if you've never done anything like that not only for your fitness but it's one of the most enriching experiences you can have and and I did these in the UK before I started going further afield and heading abroad but I I think it's such a wonderful thing to do because it dispels a lot of the myths and and ideas that the media feeds us about how dangerous and unfriendly the world is around us and just go out there maybe for maybe just for one one night two days longer if you can and surprise yourself by, I think, I think it's the vulnerability on a bicycle. That's, that's the wonderful thing because people see that and then they come and talk to you and, and they might invite you into their homes or share a meal with you. Um, step out of your comfort zone if that's something you've never done before and, and see what else the bike can give you. Because I, I love racing, but I think um, there, is, there is so much more to cycling. It's, it's a tool for exploring yourself. So go, go and, go and stretch, your, stretch yourself and step outside your comfort zone. Fantastic. What an epic challenge. And uh, uh, John, I I would love to have you back. I know we talked about possibly uh, opening up and really digging deep into uh, training uh, for specific distance time trials. So uh, listeners, if if you want to hear some uh, John, give us uh, give us some tips on uh, uh, 100 mile, 12 hour or any any distance uh, time trial, please make sure you do leave us a comment. uh, either within your, your podcast app or, or within our Facebook group just to come back. John, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Lovely talking to you, Pat. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, listeners, as I always say, if you've enjoyed this, please do share it with your friends. Um, uh, leave us a, a comment or a review, depending on what platform you're on. Uh, and uh, don't forget to come and uh, take up John's uh, challenge in our Spokes Performance Training Advice Facebook group. Uh, thank you. Uh, my name is Pat Bryan. I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder at Spokes, and you have been listening to Be Spoked. <laughs>